Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 5, How Leaders Can Be Prepared for the Unknown. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Pam. It's wonderful to be here. And I'd like to remind people that the purpose of Growth Igniters Radio is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So, Pam, what's up for today? Preparing for the unknown. You know, you mean you don't know what's up for today? (laughs) Well, I do, actually. One of the most fundamental issues facing anyone who is leading a company through transformational growth, which is a lot of the people that we speak with and work with, uh, and especially of mid-size and entrepreneurial companies, is acknowledging that there is an incredible amount that we don't know. The, The number of unknowns, I don't even think we can fathom. And we have to be ready to deal with whatever the world throws our way. That's that's absolutely true. There are so many things in the business environment that are changing rapidly. Technology and regulation and, and things that are like here. Like the to, weather. Like the weather you know? or uh, all kinds of stuff. Things that we can't really anticipate, but we need to be prepared for somehow. Exactly. We need all the expert perspectives we can get on that. Exactly. And that's why we're delighted to have Barbara Weltman with us today. As a leading authority on tax law and finance, she is an expert in helping business leaders adapt to the constantly evolving business environment. Uh, She's also published over a dozen books from major publishers, including several J.K. Lasser guides, and she's received numerous honors, including being named to the list of 100 small business influencers for multiple years. She's a top business influencer. Barbara, welcome. Oh, my pleasure to be with you today. Barbara, before we get into specifics, we want to talk about the concept of being able to prepare for the unknown. In my own book, Preventing Strategic Gridlock, I I mentioned that we need to develop and maintain a keep-adjusting mindset. What do you think about that? Well, that's absolutely true. And one of the good things is in small business, owners have control and can be more nimble, perhaps, than even large companies that are entrenched in what they're doing and have to go through committee, whereas small business can respond to uh, changes, developments, opportunities, and challenges on the fly. Well, what about the mid-sized companies, though? <laughs> Mid-sized companies are kind of in the middle and and they face some of the abilities that small businesses have to uh, be more uh, adaptive and yet they still have to deal with committees. That's true. And I think that's a lot of why we keep saying you have to get into this mindset of keep adjusting, keep adjusting, because you never know what's going to come at you. Opportunities, uh, crises, all of this. And uh, one of the things that I was particularly taken with, I've seen some of the things you've written about, are 
being able to know the unknown, you know, we have to be able to figure it out somehow. There were a few things that you were talking about. And before you can adjust to something, you have to be aware of it. <laughs> exactly. Can you talk to us about uh, one of them? I think virtual currency was one, right? That is a ra rather new development. And I think that all business owners have to decide what they're going to do about it. We, we hear a lot in the media about Bitcoin and other electronic payments, virtual currency. And many consumers are looking to use their virtual currency to pay for goods and services. And it's really up to small and mid-sized companies to decide whether they want to accept this media of payment. Obviously, on the one hand, the more uh, types of payment options you offer the consumer or your business customer, the more likely you are to attract a wider audience. So uh, not only accepting uh credit cards and checks and cash, but electronic payments uh, deepens the, the pot of uh, potential customers. But on the other hand, there are risks and uh, certain um, responsibilities when it comes to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, it fluctuates in value. So you're going to have to decide uh, who, where you're going to go to set the value and uh, adapting to certain um, merchant um, processing with respect to Bitcoin. You can't use your local bank, for example, as you would perhaps for your uh, credit card processing to do the Bitcoin processing. So there's more entailed there. And then if, if you'd like, we could even talk about some tax responsibilities with respect to Bitcoin. Now, Barbara, with Bitcoin, you say it's, it's not like just bringing in credit cards or even dealing with foreign currency. How is it different? Well, if you as a merchant accept Bitcoin, now what are you going to do with it? You're going to have to uh, either buy goods and services with it or somehow convert it to cash. And, and as I said, with fluctuation, you might have received payment, let's say just in round numbers, you might have received payment for $1,000 worth of goods or services you provided, and then you go to convert it to cash, and it may only be worth $900. So it's not exactly the same as accepting a credit card or a check. So it makes it a little bit difficult then when you're talking about estimating your, your revenue, doesn't it? Because oh, it, it fluctuates. Yeah, so there's a certain amount of risk that goes into this. How, how can a, a leadership team, let's say we're talking about a mid-sized company, they're stuck in the middle and, and we're, we're doing a lot of work with some mid-sized client type. What would we... How could we help them to assess that risk? What could we do to help them figure their way through that? Versus the reward of, of going to Bitcoin. I think you're going to have to be looking for a reliable Bitcoin exchange. There are a number of uh, websites out there that are Bitcoin exchanges, and some have gone under already. So you're going to want to find one that is uh, well-established, has been around, is reliable, and perhaps you could check out what some of the big boys are doing and, and which Bitcoin exchange they may be using to uh, sort of follow suit. So that okay, would be my first step. Okay. Uh, there's a first step. There's a second step. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, the second step is to decide uh, how much you want to publicize the availability of this because you may be discouraging some more standard means of payment. Uh, maybe you prefer to receive payment uh, in uh, by credit card because then you have credit card protections and, and, and your um, sellers, your consumers have those protections as well and that may be preferable. So uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's a bigger question in terms of your marketing and, and and, and how you publicize your Bitcoin uh, acceptance. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about was that to a certain extent, there's a cultural aspect to this as to whether a company or a leadership team decides that this is a, a method that they want to adopt because it's a, there are many different pieces to this. Would you, would you say that's true? Well, certainly, I, I think this is also a generational thing that that mm -hmm. millennials may be more into this and more accepting of this versus uh, boomers like me who find this this kind of technology and this notion risky and unfamiliar. With that said, I think that that with education, anybody can become informed about what this is. But again, I, I think you're right that not everybody is going to be interested in this. Now, speaking to people about virtual currency, we hear a lot of different opinions. Some say, yeah, we should look into that. Others say, yeah, this is still very uh, foggy and, and strange and, and not really gelled yet. What, are, what should a company who's thinking about virtual currency do to assess, you know, is it the right time to make that plunge to get into it? What are, what are the benefits of doing it versus the risks? Well, at, at this point, I, I tend to agree with you that there really are a lot of unknowns, that the overall marketplace has not uh, gotten rid of a lot of the bad apples yet, that there are still some questionable players, and it, it sort of gives Bitcoin a bad name. With the government coming out this past year, the IRS coming out for the first time deciding to treat Bitcoin as property and not as currency, that's a very big statement there, that they're going to treat it as a property so you could perhaps report gain or loss when money that you, when Bitcoin you receive is then used going forward, whether it's translated into cash or used to to make purchases. So that's a factor to consider. And then maybe for all businesses that are thinking about it, maybe this is just the time to put it on your um, radar and keep a, an eye on what's going on. And maybe, it, maybe it's not the right time for everybody to make a decision about it, that it, it may make sense to just kind of monitor what's going on in the Bitcoin arena and perhaps table it for to to review to to circle back uh, in, in third quarter let's say or 2016 so staying aware of what the developments are is really an important thing to to do in this particular case of the unknown now barbara is there a resource that we can direct people to perhaps online where they can learn more about virtual currency and the positives and negatives of it there are, you can just Google um, Bitcoin and find a lot of resources about what's going on with respect to Bitcoin. The IRS um, rules on Bitcoin, you can just uh, search the IRS website, irs.gov, 
for virtual currency and find the specific rules there related to uh, virtual currency of all kinds. So that's a good place to start. And in fact, we will have that under resources on the page featuring this episode five. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Barbara Weltman about another unknown to be prepared for, natural disasters. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful companies to accelerate to the next level of innovation and growth. For advance notice of new episodes, exclusive offers, and quarterly Harper reports, go to growthignitersradio.com and click the Join Our Community button in the upper right corner. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. We're talking with Barbara Weltman, a leading authority on tax law and financial issues, and an expert on helping small and mid-sized businesses deal with the unknown. Barbara, how can people find you? People can find me at barbaraweltman.com. And I offer a lot of resources to small and mid-sized companies for free, including my idea of the day and my monthly newsletter, Big Ideas for Small Business. Oh, that's wonderful. With that, let's let's go back to what we were talking about, which is how leaders can uh, deal with the unknown. This is an unknown that I think we're all getting pretty familiar with right now, at least up in the Northeast where we are, and that is natural disasters like snowstorms, hurricanes, you name it. Barbara, what can you tell us about this? Natural disasters happen anytime, anywhere. That's why they are disasters and they're natural. We, we, we can't really predict when they're going to happen. But what we do know is that the unprepared businesses may not recover and they may, in fact, go out of business. Even knowing that, many businesses lack a business preparedness plan. They don't uh, think in advance, what if? And as you mentioned, we're talking about snow that puts um, businesses on hold, transportation systems may be down. Have businesses thought ahead to uh, enable their staff to work from home to continue to be productive? Obviously, it wouldn't work for a restaurant or, or a, a, a retail store, but it would work for an, an office. So I think that thinking ahead, thinking back on disasters that, that we've all experienced, covering the what-ifs, writing it down, educating your staff about it, and even practicing in terms of certain natural disasters. What happens if there's, uh, unfortunately, there's, a, there's workplace violence? What happens if there's an intruder? What happens if the government gives instructions to stay in place? Or, or do we have uh, water and, and, uh, and other uh, facilities to enable us to, to do that? Uh, wisely. So I think there are a lot of things that we can can get ready for. So if the uh, unthinkable happens, we at least are prepared to the extent that we can be. So there are categories of disasters that you can almost begin to prepare for. You can't know exactly, but you can know, well, 
this type of category, this this type of weather category, or this type of uh, other situation you were well, referring think, to, right? Y- yeah, I mean, think about uh, Ferguson, Missouri, and the riots. Uh, that happened and and think about what happened to the businesses there that were um, just many of which were destroyed from the riots or think about the uh, I mean I'm from New York originally think about the 9-11 disaster so uh, it can happen from many uh, instances and it can be not necessarily uh, um, sort of a global type of disaster but something minimal like a power outage like in the summers when when there are energy cutbacks uh, uh, in in um, because of, of extreme usage. So what do you do? Are you prepared for that? Can you handle that? And for example, you have a business that that's dependent on refrigeration, and you have a power outage. Are there backup systems in place to handle the the refrigeration? So that's true. There or- are all kinds of uh, modest types of uh, disasters that we could experience. Think of just technology. Your internet goes down, uh, and and are you prepared for operating uh, if you've put everything in the cloud? Well, that that's true. I think one of the things that we see a lot is people beginning to put these plans into place, and then they don't update them. Do you, do you see this too? Uh, yes, or they don't practice. Uh, I, I had worked uh, for a while uh, with uh, the Red Cross and business preparedness planning, and they taught a group of, of six people how to do um, CPR. Then they had a mock uh, a drill in, in their cafeteria, in the business cafeteria, and half of the people who were trained froze and couldn't do what they were supposed to do. So it's practice too. I mean, we all remember the old fire drills when we were in school, and that's basically what we want to do. So this sounds like something that really has to flow from the top. If, if leadership takes it seriously, preparing for disasters or un, unanticipated events and trains people and then in, makes sure that they're prepared, they're updating, they're doing all these things. It's a cultural thing, really, don't you think? Well, absolutely. And you have to look at who who's in your company, who, who your staff is, and are there people that are going to need special assistance? I recall being involved in when there was the uh, East Coast power outage, and I was on the fourth floor in, in a business meeting, and somebody was wheelchair-bound, and we had to carry that person down four flights of stairs. So mm. I think you have to think about all of these potential issues. And, and as you say, part of it is cultural. Who's in your, who's in your company culture? Yeah. Now, you can sort of break the, uh, the th- sorts of things that one has to prepare for down into categories from infrastructure to IT and so on. Uh, is there a resource that people can go to or a template for a disaster preparedness plan that someone can refer to and, and use as a starting point? Well, there are many that you can do, some, some that I like. I like the SBA's Emergency Preparedness Guide, and also the uh, Institute for Business and Home Safety has a toolkit that you can use for disaster preparedness planning. Okay, one other question. Be prepared. I used to be a Boy Scout, and one of the things I saw sometimes was if we went out camping, there would be some people who would go out and they just wouldn't have enough. They wouldn't have enough food. They wouldn't have enough shelter, and they were in hard trouble. There were other people, though, who went out so loaded down with stuff 
that they could barely move. They were too prepared, perhaps. So how does a leadership team balance being prepared in a reasonable way with going overboard and and burdening down the company, especially if it's a small company that's under-resourced? How how do you strike that balance? I think that that going through the uh, the the guides that you can get online uh, from various resources really serve as a good roadmap, and they do indicate what kinds of supplies, for example, that you would need to keep on hand. For example, it's great to tell everybody to have flashlights, but you better make sure you have batteries for them. (laughs) Uh, Another thing they tell everybody, it's great if you could give each employee a whistle. In case of emergency, you have a whistle, people can find mm. you. You know, l- little things like that that are not necessarily very costly, but will go a long way in making your staff safe in case of disaster. Good points. Well, uh, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Barbara Weltman about a third unknown that business leaders need to be prepared for hack attacks. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. Well, it's great to have you with us, and if you like what you're hearing, spread the word. Go through your social media communities on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you use. Tell them all about us using hashtag Growth Igniters, and be sure to subscribe to the Growth Igniters radio series on iTunes or Stitcher so you won't miss a single episode. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're talking with Barbara Weltman, a leading authority on tax law and financial issues and an expert on helping small and mid-sized companies deal with whatever in the world comes their way. Barbara, how can people find you and your books? People can find me at barbaraweltman.com. We I link to Amazon and you can find all my books, including the latest J.K. Lasser Small Business Taxes 2015. And there's a free online supplement available through my website. Excellent resource. Okay, so in the last two segments, we've been talking about some known, how can we put this now? Known unknowns, we're, we're getting to know them, which is virtual currency and natural disasters. Here's a third one that's making the news, which is hack attacks. And too many business leaders, unfortunately, are getting to know this. What are your thoughts about how leaders can get ready for such a, uh, an unknown? Well, you can only do what you can do. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> hackers are hackers are going to get through. Hackers are we've seen major companies be exposed to um, ta- attacks, but we want to do whatever we can do to protect ourselves, to protect our important information, our our client information, our employee information, our intellectual property, and uh, that a lot of it is just common sense. A lot of it may require uh, bringing in experts to guide us and make sure that we have whatever safety we have uh, that we can put in place, firewalls and, and uh, enhanced passwords. 
uh, and limitations on um, employee access to company uh, information. And then I think we also might want to think about uh, insurance, perhaps making sure that if we are violated that we have coverage to uh, in, to comply with the law and inform uh, customers who may have had their uh, personal information exposed uh, and uh, we want to protect ourselves to whatever extent we can. That's natural. How often should a company have an update of this kind of information? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Technology changes all the time, and every time we we do something to protect ourselves, there's a new threat out there. So, one of the issues that I think that that businesses should consider is whether or not they do want to store customer credit card information. Obviously, storing that information if it, if you're hacked, then triggers uh, legal responsibilities on, on ter- in terms of notification and perhaps uh, compensating for any subsequent financial damage that customers may experience versus not storing that information and requesting it each time you deal with a customer. So that you have to consider those kinds of issues. And then, as I mentioned, Perhaps working with with a consultant, it's worth the investment to find out your exposure and what steps you can take and make it part of of an annual review uh, to to make sure that you you remain current with whatever protections are available out there. Now, in thinking about this issue and the examples like the Sony hack, around the, the movie that was just recently out. The insurance company I was reading about yesterday in the journal that had millions of social security numbers uh, taken, their files were not encrypted. People can almost feel like it's overwhelming. There's too much to think about, but there really there have to be some really simple things that anybody of any business size can think about do almost in an afternoon or less. What do you think? I think that there are some some minimal steps that businesses should take. Many of the attacks that smaller companies experience are from are internal, are from former employees and mm-hmm. and disgruntled employees. So, I think you have to monitor access and continually change and upgrade passwords and and. Uh, limit the ability of employees to use company computers because they may bring in outside problems. They may, when they do personal things on company computers, they expose the company to all kinds of um, outside uh, problems. And viruses, things like that. Yeah, viruses, malware and, and such. So you want to certainly create a company policy in, for employee usage of company computers and uh, and again do the minimal in terms of password protection and uh, make sure that company laptops and tablets and phones all have password protection because uh, you'd be astounded mm-hmm. at the number of laptops that are left at, at airports every year. Oh, that's that's true. Uh, to a certain extent, this is a tough issue for leaders to balance because in some of the companies that we've spoken with, there is a very open 
culture. We don't want to seem overly restrictive. Do you have any thoughts as far as what you would advise? I mean, how do you deal with a company, as I know of at least two, where they would not want their employees feeling like we're coming down on you? Uh (laughs) Breathing down your neck. Well, and yet they I have to be a balancing prudent. act. I think you're, you're precisely right. And of course, good communication with your staff about why you're doing certain things exactly. and explaining the situation goes a long way towards uh, ameliorating any kind of bad feelings that would otherwise result from, from stricter policies. So it comes down to open communication, ultimately exactly. helping people to understand no matter what it is that you're putting into place to protect your company, people have to understand what the benefits are, what the risks are, and that they're part of the team in and making that, the company safe. And that if That's you're putting nice. the putting the plans into place to protect the company, you're also putting in the plans to protect them as Absolutely. well. I mean, just think about it this way. If the company has to divert resources to deal with hack attacks, that those are resources that would otherwise be could otherwise be applied towards raises and fringe benefits. See, there you go. <laughs> the benefits, the benefits. Well, any uh, last thoughts about hack attacks? I mean, this is just such a huge topic. All of these really are specifically on hack, hack attacks. Yeah, I, I think this is something that you can't be an ostrich about, that you do have to face the reality that that there are uh, bad people out there that are going to try to, to get your information and perhaps um, disrupt your business. Th- that you can, it can put you offline, it can pollute your, your lists, it can do all kinds of bad things to you, and you have to recognize it and be proactive in addressing potential problems. And this is no matter how sophisticated your company is. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Barbara, is there a resource that we can point people at that can give them a feeling for how to protect their IT resources and how to how to go about starting that? Well, there are a number of resources online and verizonenterprise.com has a list of actions that you can take to uh, protect your data, but there, and there are other resources that you can find to try to protect yourself to the extent that you can from any kind of bad actions that occur through the internet. Okay. Uh, Barbara, any last thoughts about preparing for the unknown, leading, how leaders can prepare for the unknown? I think that, that you, you do need to budget for the resources that you need to address potential issues, whether it's resources for added uh, insurance, such as business continuation coverage or cyber insurance, or bringing in consultants or training your staff. You have to budget accordingly and make sure that you you, uh, direct enough resources to address all the potential issues that you face. Well said. Well, thank you, Barbara, so much for sharing your expertise with us. We hope you'll come back. There's a lot to all these issues. And, a pleasure. Uh, our listeners would definitely want to know about this. So with that, join us next Wednesday when our guest will be Dan Janelle, one of the founding fathers of internet marketing and publicity and an expert in building thought leadership and personal branding. We'll be talking to Dan about the importance and steps of personal branding for executives. 
Thanks for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out additional resources related to today's conversation, join our community and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode five. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to share with your communities on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and anywhere else. Now that you're more aware of the unknown, what do you know? you will do differently. Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.